Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, the Authors on Fire podcast. I am Pat Rulo, here today with a many-time returning guest and a Firebird Book Award winner, Donna M. Young, and her recent winning book is titled Revelation, a third and last installment of the Redeemed Trilogy. Donna says, my first published book was an account of my cancer journey and a walk through my coming to faith titled When All Else Fails. I had always been told to write what I know, and at that time, this was all I knew. When that offering was well-received, I continued, but gravitated to Christian fiction. I have now written and published many more books, fiction and nonfiction, and find that I love what I'm doing. I know I was born to write. It just took God a while to steer me in the right direction. Donna, she's a special friend of mine. Welcome back, Donna Young. Oh, Pat, I just always... I'm so filled with joy when we get to talk. You are one of the most special people I've ever known. <laughs> well, now that's a huge, that's a huge compliment, and I take it very seriously. And I actually feel that way about you. It's been such a gift that we met, and um, yeah. Once again, I'm looking forward to talking about your book and you and just get at it. I want to do something a little different today for our conversation because we've had so many. I want to take some of your quotes and delve into those because I think they obviously have a lot of meaning for you and for our world these days. But um, before we do that, let's take a little dig into the book, your third and last installment of the Redeemed Trilogy. So maybe just give us a peek into this book. Sure. Uh, You know, many people who've read the series have said to me, oh, you are taking what's happening these days and encapsulating it, and, you know, people should really read this series because it would tell them what was going on these days. What I always tell them is I started writing the first book in the series in 2006 and never really had time to write until I was diagnosed with cancer in 2010. But had a lot of the book accomplished before I was even diagnosed. So this was way before the things that are currently going on. And to me, it looks sort of like a prediction of the future. Mm-hmm. When you read this series, it's action-packed and and very, uh, very filled with, I'm sure what people would look at now as prophetic ideas about what was to come, what's going on now in the 2020s. Mm-hmm. Jana, the main character in in the book all the way through the series, is a little bit like me. Um, for most of her life, angry with God, did, either didn't really believe or, or if she did believe, figured he didn't believe much in her. And throughout the series, we see Jana come closer to the Lord. We see her involved in in the doings and the politics of the world, where those politics and and the humanity hating humanity takes her. And in the final book, Revelation, which closely follows 
the goings-on of the actual book of Revelation in the Bible, we see the culmination of this Redeemed series. I've had a lot of uh, really good feedback about the series, and when people have read these books, then they want to read everything I write. So it started with Redemption, Resistance, Revelation. Correct. And we have titles, The Days of Grace, Grace Abounding, Monsters, Steps to the Cross. So yes, once they once they read these three, there's many, many more to read. And you say that all of your books begin a little gritty, because let's face it, life can be a little gritty. But true to life's experiences, when we allow God in, our stories go from darkness to light. Let's talk about that. Exactly. Let's talk about that. Yeah, oh, exactly. I have discovered in my life that that where, when I was a young person, just plagued with depression, um, thinking, again, if there is a God, he certainly doesn't care about me, to come to a place that people would think of as just pure evil, finding out that I had three to six months to live, um, being diagnosed with stage four cancer, and being so sick... There were moments I didn't care that I only had three to six months to live because I was so sick. But him taking me not just through that journey, but to a place where I realized how much he loves me. And that's what I mean by darkness to light. You know, to go from believing that you're not loved at all to be to being surrounded by his grace and realizing exactly how much you are loved loved to the point that he died on a cross for you i went from having no faith no hope no plans for the future because i didn't think i had one to realizing that He holds my future. I am so filled with joy, so filled with hope that no matter what Satan throws at me, no matter what the world throws at me, you couldn't force me to be depressed. My life is just wonderful. And yet I still live in the same house, in the same town, and still the same things are going on around me. It's just that my perspective has changed because I opened the door, you know, that door that Jesus is always knocking on that doesn't have a doorknob on the outside. You have to open that door. And the moment I opened that door, everything changed. Mm. Now, see, that is huge, especially during these times that we're going through where There's a lot of people that don't feel that there's any hope and they feel down and they're frightened, but you're saying that you, you open that door and here you are living in complete joy with no fear. Right, right. God loves us. He would not have come to earth in the form of a man and lived through all of the things that we live through and all of the pain and suffering and loss that we live through and died on a cross for us. You know, Jesus is God, and he came to earth and went through all of those things for us so that we could have 
a plan, a future, a hope, a joy. He's love, you know. And when you grow up without that love, or even when you grow up thinking that you're loved, but maybe you're loved in a secular, uh, worldly way, maybe with things or emotions that don't matter, when you come to know that love of Christ, wow, I, I mean, the way... The way everything changes on the inside, it changes you molecularly. It changes something about your makeup when you let him in. The creator of the universe. When people say to me, well, how can God this or how can God do that? I, I always say we're talking about the creator of the universe here. The one who opened his mouth and spoke everything into existence. Now, if someone doesn't believe that, if they don't believe that the Bible is true, I don't know that you can talk someone into understanding that kind of love and joy. But I'll tell you what, I try to explain it to every single person I meet. And I have met some people in my life who have really needed to know the Lord. And I spend my time teaching people what I've learned because I think everybody needs to know the Lord. Well, I'm thinking as you're speaking that there are a lot of people that uh, don't believe or don't know how to believe. But when you get to the end of times where it feels like it's the end of times and there's nowhere else to look, um, (laughs) it might be time. And it comes to that. It comes to that for all of us. You know, I, I read something the other day that said, um, that said, we're all going to live forever. It's just a matter of location. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I, I, I run into people who say, well, they believe there's probably a heaven, but there's no hell and there's no Satan, you know, that sort of thing. Well, the Bible says there is. Now, I believe the Bible to be the inerrant word of God. I believe it, every word of it to be true. You'll find people who say, uh, oh, well, there are so many contradictions. No, there aren't. No, there aren't. Um, when I challenge people to tell me what these contradictions are, they'll come up with something. Uh, oh, in the Gospel of Luke, there's this account, and it's slightly different than the uh, account that Mark gives. Different guys see different things. Uh, I I always say I'm that person that you don't want to be the only witness to your mugging Mm -hmm. because I have been a witness before. And when they asked me, well, what was the guy wearing? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, Do you remember the color of the car? Uh, No, I don't remember the color. You don't want me to be the guy that (laughs) is the only one who is your witness. So some people are going to be those who notice every single detail about an account. Another person might only see the horror that's going on to that person and that sort of thing. Well, when you're talking about the, the gospel messages, the, you know, the gospel accounts, these are different guys. I would be more worried if they all were saying exactly the same thing word for word, you know. So there are no places in the Bible where there are contradictions. Everyone that anybody has ever come up with and thrown at my husband or myself, we have been able to show them in the Bible where that's 
absolutely mm-hmm. not true what you're thinking mm-hmm. and have changed their minds. The Bible is God's way to communicate with us. His word is true. He is life and truth and the way. And my heart aches for people who don't know that or who haven't found that out yet. Mm -hmm. We have to reach everybody. It's our job to reach everybody and tell them about the love of Christ. If people don't know, then then they're not going to end up where they want to end up. That's for one thing. And the Bible is very clear about there's evidence of him everywhere, so there's no excuse mm-hmm. not to know. Right, right. And for those who don't know, your husband is a is a uh, preacher, right? He is. Yes. Yes. Oh, and gosh, you know, I've heard a lot of preachers in my day, and this might be slightly biased because I love him uh, and and I adore him. But he's the best preacher I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he he teaches and he he keeps me spellbound. I've been listening to him for uh, thirty some odd years now, <laughs> and he has never ever given a sermon that didn't enthrall me. You know. Aww. So yeah, we talk about Jesus all the time. Our kids actually used to ask when they were younger, "Don't you guys ever talk about anything else?" <laughs> Nope, there's not really much else in the world worth talking about. Oh, my gosh, I love that. And you you have a quote uh, I read somewhere where you said that, I've been told that my books are spiritual without being preachy. Um, so, yeah, I was going to ask you how you manage that, but you probably learned from your husband. Sure, <laughs> exactly. It, it, he doesn't pound over anybody's head. Now, I went through a period of time in my life before cancer, where I was the preacher's wife, and I could quote to you scripture and verse, had read through the Bible so many hundreds and hundreds of times that that I felt very, and I'm doing air quotes here, special mm-hmm. for having read the Bible so many times. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could pray out loud with the best of them, and, and yet there was that part of me, if you've read When All Else Fails, that didn't believe that God cared about me one whit. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a close relationship. All I had was the religion. Right. And, and that's nothing. And I don't believe that that wins souls to Christ, though there are people who tell me that even then, you know, talking to them about Jesus, they came to know the Lord. But I didn't feel inside like I was speaking the words of God in any way that would make a difference in anyone's life. But having had the blessing of going through cancer, the, I believe, I don't believe God gives you sicknesses, but I believe He allows you to go through things that are going to cause you to grow, that are going to cause you to, um, to expand your relationship with Him. And through that period of time, which was quite a long time, I came to know more and more and more about his love and the way he feels about me. And and look back on times in my life when I didn't realize he was there, when he was the reason and the only reason why I'm still here. 
I know that he is the one who has saved me, um, not just through cancer and through my 15 days on a ventilator with, with COVID a couple of years ago. And, but I know looking back on my life, being hit by a car, uh, being around people who were trying to kill me through abuse and things like that as a child, that the only reason that I'm here is because God walked with me every step of the way. It took him a long time to get through to my heart, but he was there every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Now, you also say, my collective works are filled with action, adventure, and imagination. I tend to put pieces of myself in every story I write and find that by personalizing the images, the accounts are more believable to the reader. Does that just come naturally, or as you're writing, do you feel the need to add more of yourself into the characters? How does that work for you? Well, when I'm writing, and I'm not one of those people who who's very organized with any of that. I don't write an outline first or anything. I sit down, I pray, and then I just start typing. So I'm guessing that the way it works is God has me write down whatever it is that I'm supposed to be writing down. When I go back through and read things afterwards, I see things about myself that fit in there perfectly. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that I do it intentionally. It's just that after I read it, I know that innately there must have been that need or desire to tell that part of my story because it might it might match up to somebody else's story, mm-hmm. you know? I always believe that that the things that I went through many of which were horrible, terrible things abusive things, sexually abusive, um, physically abusive, emotionally abusive, you know, from members of my family and, and others. I believe that those, that those happened because they happened, but then God is able to turn that around and use it to minister to someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. So a- after you write... Is there much editing and reshuffling going on? Or after you write it, is it pretty much, it is what it is? It is what it is. Uh Mm -hmm. There's never any shuffling or or moving around or anything. Um, My husband is my editor. So if there's ever a word spelled wrong or a period in the wrong place, you can blame him. (laughs) Because because that's never been my forte. (laughs) And I always tell him. uh, His mother read one of my books and said... Uh, and pointed out that there was a, a place where, oh, there should have never been a comma there. And I always say to her, well, you need to talk to your son yeah. then, because that's, that's not my strong point. He's supposed to be editing my work. Yeah, take it up so, with your son, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just write. I just write. And then he goes through and reads it. And he, again, bias here. He always loves it. Um, and sometimes he'll have to read through twice because the first time he'll get so caught up in the story yeah. that he forgets to be looking editing. <laughs> or yeah, for anything that needed editing. But, but no, the story is always exactly the story when I write it down. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just thinking yesterday, I don't know what, it just hit me. I'm thinking, where do ideas come from? 
On your website, you say, I find that God continues to give me ideas for new books, so I plan to be doing this for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and I have a tablet and a pencil next to my bed. Uh, because I wake up in the middle of the night, a scripture will come to my mind. And you know all of my um, chapters always start with a, a Bible scripture. Uh, or um, something from my youth will pop into my brain. I've, I've woken up before with my pillow sopping wet because I'll remember something from my childhood or something that someone said to me, and I'll write it down, and a story can start from there. Um, when when I wrote Steps to the Cross, it was because someone got me a, a membership to um, Ancestry.com. And I went on there and found things in my family history that I had no idea about. I knew that my biological father's family were Jews, um, but I didn't know that we had 11 family members who died in Treblinka too, until I went on Ancestry.com. The book that I'm working on right now is also an Ancestry.com find, if you will, because in going through that, I have discovered that on my mother's side, we are 32% a combination of Cherokee and Choctaw, and I started delving deeper into that and and ran across all the stories of the Trail of Tears. And so this new book that I'm working on, which is River of Tears, is the focal point is the Trail of Tears, and then also during that period of time, Um, The abolitionist movement was going on, the Underground Railroad and that sort of thing. So all of that is interwoven through this story. So ideas come from just about anywhere, you know. And actually, I had been set on starting a different story when I found out the information that went into Steps to the Cross. And that same book is still waiting in the wings because now I'm working on River of Tears. I love how that works out. There's just so many ideas. And I know what you're saying about the middle of the night. Sometimes it's just unbelievable. It's like, I just need to sleep here. Uh, And you keep thinking of things and writing it down. Wake up exhausted. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Oh, you know, you're so special, Pat. You have so many different things going on. I don't know how you get it all done. I get exhausted just looking online and all the things you're involved in. (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) Bless your heart. I mean, the things that you do, especially the shelters and stuff, that just, that warms my heart. And, And that's part of the reason why I love you so much is because you have such a heart to give. Oh. You know, here we are living in this time when the world has become so self-centered, mm-hmm. so selfish. Uh, everything is a selfie shot. Someone can be getting mugged or murdered 20 feet away from you and the phones come out. Yep. Yes. And instead of helping, people are taking pictures, mm-hmm. videos. 
And here you are, someone who takes your time to to make things for people who are going through, you know, a third dimension of hell. Mm-hmm. And I love that about oh. you. And I know that God loves that about you. I know that he blesses your life because of that. You were so kind. Thank you for saying so. You know, it's a, it's really a gift for me. I, I, maybe we talked about this once before. I, I know I mention it occasionally. It's the anonymity of this whole process of making something for someone who I don't know and someone whom I will never know and they won't know me and we never will. There's just no way our, you know, our paths will cross and that we would be cognizant of each other. Yeah. When I get done with the pillowcase, I just look at it and I think who will be sleeping on this? What will they be dreaming? You know, hopefully this will help them to dream of a better place and a better life, even if just for the, the night, it seems like a silly thing, a pillowcase, but... Uh, oh, no, it, it's not. Not at all. And, you know, you're touching the lives of these women and these kids. Uh-huh, the children, yeah. Children. Yeah. Oh, gosh, the world is not a kind place to children anymore. Yeah. The stuff that is being introduced to them, the things that are being shoved in their faces, you know, the the opportunities that they have to run into, not just obscene things but violence yeah. and and horror that no kid should ever see you know the percentages of that have have just increased and increased every decade mm-hmm. and i just my heart breaks for kids that are growing up in this time sure no you know? and and it should and especially if they are displaced and they're they're living in a shelter and just all of the uncertainty with that and so you send a book with the pillowcase and here they can sleep on something special and then hopefully it opens up the world of reading and literacy and maybe an escape for them to say okay you know I'm un- I'm uncomfortable all day long but maybe at night when I go to bed I can read this story and now they're someplace else or they are somebody else and it gives it gives Exactly you know, it gives and you hope. know that saved me as a kid reading mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I started reading at a very young age I could read the Los Angeles Times when I was three. <laughs> wow. And and having stories to look forward to, yes. being able to escape, yep. you know, into another place, another time, so that you didn't have to think about where you were and and who you were around at that time. Right. So, yeah, bless your heart. Well, bless your heart. And you know about that all too well. So uh, bless you, too, for... for for writing and, and getting the word out and, and helping people the way you and your husband and your family do all of the time. Just, you are a blessing. Thank you for yes. saying that. You know, I I tell people all the time, I'm not out to be famous because I, I literally hate it when people come up and go, oh, are you Donna Young? You know, uh, that's, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not the movie starlet type, but when I started doing this, I decided I was doing it to make God famous. Mm-hmm. There you go. I want everyone to know about him. I want everyone to know the sacrifice of Jesus. I want everyone to know th- how much God loves them. I think there are so many people in the world that are like I was growing up as a kid, 
thinking that God was some big mean guy in the sky with a stick and every time you messed up, he was going to whack you down with Mm -hmm. it. I think so many people have got that impression of God and that feeling of of guilt and and I'm dirty, I'm I'm not worth anything. I'm you know, why would he love me? Why would he care about me? And I want people to know that it doesn't it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what you haven't done, God loves you. Come have a relationship with him. That's the one thing you have to do. You have to ask Jesus to come in. He won't force himself on you. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Christians who will, <laughs> or people who call themselves Christians, who will try to choke him down your throat. That's not a relationship with Jesus. But you do have to open the door. You do have to let him in. And when you do, your life will change forever. Nothing in the universe is more impactful, more filled with joy, more, gosh, the feeling of love than letting Jesus come through that door. Thank you for that. I think this is, wow, a really inspiring conversation and maybe a good place for us to begin to wrap up since you've left us inspired, but I want to make sure we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight. Um, my website, DonnaMYoungWriting.com, and um, I think that's probably about it. I've got some speaking engagements coming up that I need to go and put on my website. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just just know, just know that, that God loves you, that the time that we're living in is a scary time, but you don't have to be afraid if you know him. And he wants you to come to a relationship with him because the time is getting short. You know, the Bible is very, very strict about making sure that no one runs around predicting exactly what day or time that the end of the world is going to come. So I don't ever pretend to do that. But so many of the end time prophecies have been fulfilled. And we're just hinging on the end. I I know God doesn't want anyone to go to hell, and there is a hell, and I don't want anyone to go to hell either. So so I'm going to share Jesus with everybody I meet, and, and I hope that everyone receives him. You're powerful. Thank you. Well, thank you, Pat. I, I always look forward to our talks. It makes me want to keep writing books just so I can talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, keep writing books so that we can talk. I I agree with you. I I look so forward to our conversations. DonnaMYoungWriting.com. Head over to her website. Get copies of all of her beautifully inspired books. Donna, thank you. Thank you again for today. Oh, thank you, Pat. God bless you. And you too.